0: the Brood 10 podcasts made possible by support from Mount St. Joseph University School of Behavioral and Natural Sciences, cultivating an understanding and appreciation of the creative and critical nature of scientific thought. Climb higher at the Mount. Learn more at msj.edu.
1: Welcome back to the Group 10 Cicada Podcast from Cincinnati Public Radio. I'm WVXU reporter Corey Sharber. Today we're talking about the main objective cicadas are in pursuit of as they emerge and buzz among us: mating. For those bugs, their entire time above ground is all about standing out amongst the crowd with that deafening roar some of you may be hearing in your area right now. As always, I'm joined by Dean of Behavioral and Natural Sciences, as well as a professor in the Department of Biology at Mount St. Joseph University here in Cincinnati, and PhD of Entomology, Dr. Gene Kritsky. He's ready to guide us through the delicate dance of cicada mating. Gene, welcome back. Thanks. Great to be back. Today's episode is about sex, um, a subject that many people are uncomfortable talking about, except for you, because you are a biology professor. So this is kind of deep in your field, as they, well, as they say in the biology field, I'd assume. This is basically everything you wanted to know about cicada sex. And uh, there are some people that are probably afraid to ask questions about this, but don't worry. We got a couple of questions from one of our faithful listeners. And I got plenty of questions for Gene about this because, man, this is such a weird topic. I'm only going to get to discuss once. I can't wait. So, cicadas, of course, we we see with this particular emergence and many before. So, there are mil- billions of these things popping up from the ground. And of course, with brood ten, this happens every 17 years. So, while they're burrowed deep in deep beneath our trees, they're just constantly mating, constantly creating more and more of them. And then once they emerge. The process goes even crazier. So how do, how, do, how do cicadas do it? What goes on with how cicadas continue to, yes. to mate? And, uh, and uh, I'll say in advance,
0: you know, biology is a vulgar science. And so <laughs> this is going to get uh, right down into the heart of what cicadas do. First of all, they, they don't do any mating underground. Uh, oh. They're just growing up. They're all adolescents, and so uh, they've got 17 years uh, to get from their the juvenile stage through their teen years before they finally emerge as adults. The, what happens is that they emerge and they transform into adults, and then they spend five days up in the tops of the trees uh, getting ready to maturing and getting ready to start that process, the, 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 the process of, of what all life tries to do, and that's to reproduce. And so, yes, cicadas do do it the way we do it, but they have a different language they're speaking. So the, we're, uh, as I was walking into the building today, I was hearing all sorts of cicada calls. And that's basically how they initiate the process. Uh, males will gather in trees. And not just one or two, but by hundreds to thousands. Just before I came here, I was out at, the, uh, uh, at Mount St. Joe, and I was measuring choruses at 95 decibels today. Mm. And it's 95 percent decimals is louder than the jets flying over the uh, and and when you when, if you're just hearing it it just is basically a lot of horny cicadas
1: <laughs> it's interesting because I, I live not that far away from an airport and it's interesting like how i've just been hearing cicadas day by day by day out, in, outside my apartment and it's crazy how i used to always hear the jets flying over but the cicadas have gradually began drowning that out so uh, how does it start for them though like what 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 triggers their response to go yes today i'm going to find a mate well they actually, i'm not that, i'm not sure if there's that much decision to it this is they're <laughs> driven to do
0: and they start singing and of course there's going to be some competition between males for females so the uh, i'll use the large species uh septendecim. uh he has this call that's sort of like a And at that down slope, that's when the female can respond. She doesn't have any way of calling, but she does respond by flicking her wings. So it's, that's, she flicks right at the end there. And if he hears that, he turns and he sees her. He walks closer. Now, if there's another male nearby and male one starts to sing again, that second male will start to sing before he gets to the point where the female will flick her wings to try to confuse her, to think that it's, there's a better good looking cicada over here. If there's not another male coming uh, nearby, uh, he'll continue to call, walk closer to her. He'll go into a second call. It's sort of like, doesn't have that gap in it. It's (laughs) And then he'll start tapping her with his forelegs and they commence the process of physical copulation. And while he's doing that, he's going
1: Is it, is there, so I'd assume there's definitely some sort of competition between all of the cicadas though. Is it the louder ones? Are they Are they the ones that find the mates first? How does the call affect um, who selects which? Well, there's certainly some selection going
0: on by the female as well. Uh, that's because we've uh, noticed that uh, if you look at successfully mating pairs, And just yesterday I was in the field and I started seeing numbers of mating pairs. So it's actually going on right now as we speak. And if you look at the size of the males of successfully mating pairs, it turns out they're a little larger than the males that don't mate, Mm. that are the general population. So for cicadas,
1: size matters. (laughs) Well, I mean, like you say, biology is a vulgar field. And well, I think you can say that across multiple different... (laughs) That's, Fields just, of biology. That, that's true. So <laughs> that that's that's how that's how it starts. That's where we get more cicadas. And how long does this process take? Is it is it a rapid process, like they emerge and then bam, they're creating tons and tons more cicadas and then that's it? Well it's
0: uh, it takes what this is going to go on for about a month, this, uh, this, the singing as, uh, mm. they're started now, it's going to continue for at least another three to four weeks. Uh, and so, but, but towards the last two weeks, it's going to get there are fewer and fewer males and females out. So this, the sound will get less intense, but, uh, this is what's, this is the whole purpose of this, uh, of their one month life as an adult is to come out and, and find a mate and, uh, that the whole, the whole survival of the species depends on this.
1: We did mention that um, in in this case, at least in biology, its size matters. And I was wondering, you know, um, we we did mention how the the call affects it as well. But like, what is the site of of the um, male cicada like? What the female looks at? How much of a role does that play in in the mating process? Is it? Do they look at particular cicadas and go after them, or is it all just based on? The call and response action.
0: Well, it starts is primarily the call and response. The female will make a choice. Obviously, the size difference wouldn't have been noted, but uh, it's it starts with the call, and. Uh, uh, there's going to be a lot of males in that tree. And as I was watching today, I was watching a male call and I saw a female flick her wings, but for some reason that male didn't turn around. So she next time, one a few inches away called, so she turned towards that male. And uh, it, it's quite, uh, it, it's, it's basically, they're, they're both trying, both males and females want to reproduce, but uh, uh, there's a lot of cacophony going on. And then as the singing progresses... You, as, yesterday I was watching this in the trees when we were in, uh, in Northern Kentucky. Uh, all of a sudden that intensity drops a little bit and all of a sudden all these cicadas start flying because the males didn't find a, a receptive female on the branch that he was on. And, and even today I was uh, recording calls and a male lands on my arm and calls for a female. And before I could try to respond by flicking my, my doing a finger snap, he flies away because... You didn't get an immediate response. I mean, it's a—it's uh, not like, let's sort of sit around and relax and, and uh, see who comes in. Mm. No, they they
1: don't have that attention span. Right. It seems like they have the same patience all the humans do, which so I guess that helps uh, mm-hmm. the relatability in this, yeah. and in that, this instance. And that chorusing center, that, that
0: tree full of all these singing males is like a gigantic... Uh, cicada singles bar. <laughs> if, if a male is not successful at the, this branch after one, maybe two calls, sometimes not even, it's only one and he starts flying. You'll start seeing these males fly all over the place. That lowers the call because they, the sound intensity, because they can't, they can't sing while they're flying around. Right. So they land on another branch and they start again. And if they're not successful, they'll fly across the road to the tree over there. And it's, it's basically like, uh, well, it's, I'm not getting a
1: luck here. Maybe it's better at the, the bar across the street. Let's move away from the from the single, single fellows over here. Let's talk about um, what happens when the female is inseminated. How does a female lay her eggs? Like, I mean, we always hear how they emerge, how they come from the ground, but the eggs have to go somewhere. So how right. do they do that?
0: Well, a few days after, after she's mated, uh, she then has to start the search for an ideal oviposition position site or a place to lay her eggs. And what she's looking for is a, a, a tree in full sunlight uh, surrounded by low vegetation, and what she does is she'll fly into the, into the branches and towards the end of the branches where the thickness of that branch is about the size of a pencil in, in diameter. Uh, she'll start laying the eggs by sawing into that tree branch and depositing 10 to 20, sometimes 30 or 40, depending on the species, about 10 to 20 eggs, removes her ovipositor, which is her egg laying structure, walks a quarter of an inch and does it again. Keeps repeating that process until she runs out of branch and then she flies to another one and keeps going. If um, she can't find any more, she might fly to another tree, but she will; be, she's driven to delay her 500 eggs. After she's completed, within a day or so, or shortly
1: thereafter, she dies. Oh, well, that's a tragic ending, but at least it breeds new life, so there's something to look mm. forward to. Well, I've been hearing, you know, we're talking about, you know, how the mating process with cicadas today, and, and one of the things I've been hearing a ton about... Um, through through various news outlets, when it, discussing Brew ten and cicadas in general, is um, this apparently there's this fungus going around that completely destroys the the beautiful process we've been talking about. Um, it, it basically um, cicadas will get affected with this fungus and it will basically completely destroy their sex organs. Like what what's the deal with this? For one, like how did it come about? What's it called? And how big of a role? does it play in the in the sex lives of
0: cicadas well the the fungus is uh, mesospora, and it's a fungal disease that uh, when a male or female gets infected with this it causes the very causes the very tip of their abdomen to fall off and they then fly around and you if you look in the abdomen you see this large, solid white mass looks like somebody stuck a piece of chalk into the abdominal cavity. and that's basically as, as he or she is flying around, she's spreading the spores. They've been sometimes referred to as a, a flying salt shakers of death. Uh, but that's only half the, half the story. This fungus affects the sex drive of males that get infected. and the sex drive is such that it makes them really want to mate. So this male's infected. He starts singing to attract a female and the female flicks her wings. He walks, goes through the whole process, tries to mate with her, but his junk is gone. (laughs) So what he's actually doing is inoculating her with the fungal spores. Oh
1: man. So it's just, it's just an all around nightmare for, for all the bugs involved. That's not even half of it.
0: It gets even weirder, Corey, (laughs) if we can get any weirder. If this male, if this fungal infected male hears another male call, the fungal infected male will flick his wings like he's a female, pretending to be a female, to lure in this amorous male to try to mate. Of course, nothing's going to happen because the fungal infected male doesn't have any junk. Yeah. (laughs) And if if he did, it wouldn't work. (laughs) However, he also inoculates
1: the amorous male in the process. Right. So it's not, it's not just affecting, it's not just male and cicada, male, female cicadas being infected. It's the entire, mm-hmm. every gender involved with And about with five,
0: about five to 10% of the cicadas seem to be infected. And, uh, this last weekend we had some, uh, it got a little, little cool and, uh, I went out of the back deck and I was, I, th- I saw a lot of cicadas that looked like they were not doing, doing very well. Most of them had already mated that were looked look normal but i had uh, on the back deck about a quarter of the cicadas i picked up were infected with the fungus and so that's spreading now and and uh, uh, the thing is <laughs> it's not great for the cicadas <laughs> but it's perfect for the fungus right i mean the whole purpose of the fungus is to reproduce the purpose of the cicadas is to reproduce and so the the fungus has essentially uh, usurped the whole cicada reproductive system right. to spread its own uh, its own uh,
1: spores i hate to end on a drab note but that just shows that biology doesn't just affect one species it affects all of us and unfortunately it ends in the well it, it doesn't go well for certain <laughs> for certain creatures and all of this gene i thanks for asking answering all of my my sex related questions today I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners are going to enjoy that and uh i can't wait to talk about whatever we're going to talk about next time so thank you very much gene you're welcome Now it's time for more of our listener questions, which you can send to us at broodx at wvxu.org. These questions come from Steve Carlton. First question is, the prime number emergence interval that characterizes the appearance of different broods of periodic cicadas is presumably an evolutionary stability strategy that gives a selective advantage to each brood. Simultaneous emergence of several broods would augment the prey inundation, that seems to be part of the breeding strategy. So there's no obvious disadvantage to overlapping emergence of broods from a predation standpoint. Gene, I don't know what that means. I believe this is what he's trying to ask. Is there some evolutionary reason or advantage why some periodical cicadas year cycle is a prime number? That has been suggested uh, that that's
0: important. Uh, First of all, not only just the prime numbers, we have two kinds of cicada life cycles, 13 years and 17 years. Both are prime numbers. There are 15 broods of periodical cicadas, uh, 12 17-year broods, and three 13-year broods. The idea is, that, and it's a, it's a rather interesting idea, that this long prime number life cycle eventually stopped any predator or parasite to evolve synchrony with the cicadas that kept them para- you know, specialized predators. For example, we have a cicada killer wasp that comes out every year and takes annual cicadas. And that's been held, at bay, uh, this idea has held, been, been held uh, widely, uh, positively for, for decades. There's even mathematical models that suggest, suggest that it's really a, a good way of going. However, though, a couple of observations, if this was so successful at doing this, why aren't more species doing it? And then second, we have two other periodical cicadas that have been discovered in the world, not in the United States. One with an eight-year life cycle, that's in Fiji, and another one in India with a four-year life cycle. Those are not prime numbers. So that would throw a question in the idea of that prime number importance. The 13-year life cycle is thought to be ancestral to the 17-year life cycle. And uh, it's thought that uh,
1: that it evolved as a way of coping with living close to the ice sheets. Now, Gene, Steve is quite an inquisitive fellow, so he has another question for you. He says, I wondered if females of a given brood respond to recorded mating calls, and if they do, did they respond the same way if the recordings are digital or analog? I also wondered if the characteristics of the call that were the special sauce of the cicada love songs could be identified by manipulating the characteristics of the calls, such as slightly changing the frequencies or harmonics, etc., cetera, and so on and so forth. Gene, what's wow. your answer?
0: What an interesting question. Uh, I'm not sure if it would matter uh, between the digital and the analog of the sound waves coming out of the system. I've, I have seen cicadas respond to recorded calls uh, and that's the female flicking her wings, for example, and they were, were just playing up with the, with speakers, that kind of thing. So uh, uh, one of the things that makes uh, the cicadas uh, rather an intriguing uh, animal is that their hearing is very specialized in time in tuned with their calls. And so they may not have any response at all for playing them from different species per se, but it doesn't seem to affect it from brood to, if you take a, a septendecim from brood one and and brood two and play it to brood 10, it doesn't seem to have much
1: of an impact. Well, one thing is certainly different between our fields is that I can't use audio to trick people. So I will definitely, uh, definitely, uh, warrant you continuing to trick the bugs for your research. Thank you so much for answering their questions and if you have any more questions for us remember to email us at brood x as in the roman numeral 10 at wvxu.org you can also use the talk to us feature on the wvxu app thanks for listening to the brood 10 cicada podcast our thanks as always to our guest expert gene Kritzky. you can learn more and assist gene cicada mapping efforts by visiting cicadasafari.org be sure to subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcast this podcast is produced by Josh Elstro, with additional support and web assistance from Kevin Reynolds and Jim Nolan. For Cincinnati Public Radio, I'm Corey Sharber. You have been listening to the Brood 10 Cicada podcast. We'll talk again next week.